So my parents spent uh, their career in pastoral ministry. They spent about 15 years of that career in Germany. Four of those years were during my four years of college. I'll never forget that first year, my freshman year of college, Christmas. Christmas is huge in our family. And uh, I was going to take a Greyhound bus to go be with some relatives. And because of when the bus left, I ended up being one of the last people on campus. And I'll never forget that first night, uh, that last night before leaving. I was going to get up the next morning and board a Greyhound bus, go 22 hours uh, to spend time with relatives, but not my parents. And I was the only person on my dormitory floor, one of the only people in the dormitory. And I remember laying there that night. I had never felt so alone. It was a horrible feeling. You know, we can all probably think of some times when we felt very alone. Uh, it's not a good feeling. And I'm not talking about just being alone. I mean, you know, spending time by yourself. I actually enjoy that. What I'm talking about is the type of experiences of isolation, either being cut off from the ones that you love or, or maybe not even having those kinds of relationships in the first place. It's a terrible feeling of emptiness. Actually, prolonged isolation can often lead to depression. We long for connection. We long to be connected with others, to belong. Connecting with others is a need that is part of our biological makeup. Children who grow up with limited social connection have all sorts of deficits, deficits and dysfunctions in their brain development and consequently in their lives. Now, our central nervous system is actually wired for social connection. For example, one of the longest nerves in your body uh, goes from your brain all the way down your spinal cord. It branches out into your facial muscles and into your chest area and into your internal organs, into your gut. It's called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is intimately involved with our ability to connect with others socially, to read social cues, to be able to, have you ever had that gut feeling about somebody? That's your vagus nerve. You literally have a feeling in your gut. And so we're wired to connect with others. But really, this shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us. I mean, we all know that on a basic level, that humans are meant to connect with each other. Our basic need for connection is so important. Think about times when you've started a new experience, you've gone off and done something new, um, it's so much easier to do that when you have somebody with you that you know. I think about my son who went off to college last year and, and he went off to Kentucky. So he's, he was going a long way away to go to college. And uh, fortunately, he had gone to a summer program at that college a year before and so he had met some of the students and his older cousin was a student there. So going to college while daunting and going away, a long way away from home was, was overwhelming. It wasn't as bad because he knew some of the people. He had his cousin there. It felt more comfortable. And so our basic need to connect is really a central theme of many of the, uh, the themes that we see throughout the Bible. We see God setting aside a people for himself, the Israelites, um, whose nation was really identified by their unifying principle of their relationship with God. Even all the way through to, to the Old Testament, we see the idea of community as being integral to the life that God has called us to. So as we seek to understand God's purposes and his desire and his heart for us in community, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, um, we, we just seek your teaching 
We seek your guidance. We seek for you to help us to understand your heart for us as we live out the Christian life, as we try to live authentically the life that you have called us to. And I pray that you would teach us now, that you would use me for that purpose. Amen. When we think about this idea of community, one of the things that we want to just right from the get-go lay out is the reality that God created us for community. God created us for community. It doesn't take long in reading the Bible to discover that God intends for us to live in community. You read the opening pages of Genesis and you see God creating all sorts of things and every time he creates something he says it is good, it is good, it is good. The first thing in Genesis that is not good is for man to be alone. Genesis says that God created man in his image or after his likeness. That means that there are certain characteristics that are inherent to God that he has put in us when he created us. One aspect of God that we see in the Bible is that he is relational. God has always existed in relationship with himself. We believe that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that there's three gods. It means that there is only one God. But within one God, there is what is called the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, co-equal in power and glory, co-equal God. They are one God, but they are, have always existed for all of eternity in relationship within themselves. The Evangelical Free Church of America, of which Susquehanna Valley Church is a part, the EFCA's statement of faith puts it this way. We believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is relational. He has always been relational. We are created in his image. He created us to be relational. He's wired that into who we are as human beings. Do you remember the movie Castaway? Uh, Tom Hanks plays this guy who gets stranded on an island out in the middle of nowhere, and he's isolated all alone. Eventually, he creates a companion for himself out of a volleyball. I've actually known a few people who had a personality of a volleyball. Um, but he creates his companion for himself out of a volleyball, Wilson. And he becomes so attached to this, to this volleyball that even when he gets away from the island, he's, he's getting away on a raft, and the volleyball drifts off. He risks his own life to swim in the open waters to try and get the, the Wilson, trying to get his friend back. You know, we finished this uh, series on Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8, it says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaninglessness, a miserable business. You know, this idea that we could work hard and, and, and achieve, but if we don't have anybody to share it with, it, it just feels empty and meaningless. We need connection because God created us that way. He wants us to be in community. Dr. Gilbert Bilizekian said it this way, Community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is. Because he is community, he creates community. It is his gift of himself to humans. 
Therefore, the making of community may not be regarded as an optional decision for Christians. It is a compelling and irrevocable necessity, a binding divine mandate for all believers at all times. In other words, for a Christian, being part of a Christian community is not a suggestion. It's a necessity. Have you ever thought about why Jesus surrounded himself with the 12 disciples? I mean, the number 12 represents the 12 tribes of Israel, but why surround himself with this group of guys? I mean, he was Jesus, son of God. He could have gone alone. He could have wandered around. He could have preached. He could have taught. He could have... Why surround himself with this group of guys? But when we look at the picture of Jesus and his relationship with the disciples, we see him taking time to invest in the relationships. He enjoys their company. He patiently teaches them as they follow him. He takes time to make sure that they really understand what he is teaching and what he's doing. He even sends them out to go do ministry on their own so that they can come back to him and and talk about it and learn from their mistakes and, and get more teaching from him, more guidance. And then after his resurrection, he gives them the instructions to go and let others know about the good news of what he has done for them. And so what we see is Jesus intentionally investing in relationships in order to impact these men's lives for the kingdom of God and consequently other people's lives through them. Jesus started the first Christian community group. So it should be no surprise to us if God created us for community, then it should be true that we function best in community. We function at our best when we are in community. When my wife and I were first married, the church we were going to uh, was starting up a group for young married couples. We were excited about this because we didn't feel like we had connected yet. And uh, so they had this informational meeting. They said, if you're interested in the group, please you know, come out and, and we're going to talk about it. And so we went. What was supposed to be an informational meeting turned out to be a, you guys are now going to be the leadership team for this group meeting. It was an interesting recruitment strategy. You know, come out and hear what it's all about, and now we're going to put you in charge. But it's okay, because it ended up being a very healthy group, a very dynamic group. Um, it was a group of other young couples that we developed meaningful relationships with. We walked through some difficult times in life together. Um, we still keep in touch with some of them, and they're near and dear to our hearts. It was, it was something that was important, a fellowship that helped us get through a lot of different times in our lives as we walk through life together. Since God created relationships and community, since God intended us for it, it only makes sense that we operate at our best when we're in community. Having a sense of belonging in community has been shown to decrease heart rate and negative mood, as well as increase self-esteem. It reduces emotional and physical stress. It contributes to positive mental health. Actually, people who are less socially connected have been shown to have more risk of an early death than people who are socially connected but who smoked, drank, and were obese. The book of Acts shows us the early church and the sense of community that defined them. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Greek word for fellowship here is koinonia. Now koinonia is really more than the fellowship. It's really about that sense of community, the relationships together. Koinone is also actually a pretty good Christian jazz fusion band from the 70s and 80s. You should probably check it out. Um, but this idea of community, it's less about um, that just getting together, but it's really about their relationships. And in this passage in Acts, we see the elements of their community fellowship. We see that they grew spiritually. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We see that they spent time in fellowship. They shared meals together. They met in each other's homes. They worshiped together. They prayed, met in the temple. They shared communion. They praised God. They ministered to each other. They shared what they had with each other. And they evangelized the lost. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What the New Testament church shows us is that community groups are not just another program in the church, not just another thing to go to because it's on the calendar. They are a way of life. Groups are part of being the church, not just doing the church. It's so important to us at SVC that we live out the Christian life authentically, and living it in community is a big part of that. Community groups are about applying the Bible to our lives as we study God's word together, pray together, share our struggles and our burdens, hold each other accountable to our spiritual walk as we live life together and we share our stories together along the way. They help us to develop those important spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible, prayer, uh, you know, focusing our lives upon Christ that are so important in our relationship with God. Larry Osborne, in his book, Sticky Church, says that groups help us to take our good intentions and put them on the calendar. And we all have those times where we say, I need to read the Bible more, I need to pray more, I need to do those things, and I'm you know, really going to do it this time, and, and then you know, things get in the way, life gets in the way, and we're not doing it, or, or am I the only one? Uh, yeah, it's like those New Year's resolutions, right? That, that we have all the good intentions, but we don't keep the goals, Having that workout partner or that diet partner or that whatever partner just helps us to keep our focus on our goals and to put them on the calendar. Community groups foster honesty and transparency, and we need that in our lives, to be truly known. And the walls that we put up with most people in the world, they serve a purpose to protect us, to keep us safe, but they also keep us isolated and alone. We need people with whom we can let down those walls, with whom we can experience vulnerability and intimacy and build trust. The Sunday morning, how are you, really often means I see you, but rarely opens the door for that true depth and intimacy. Sometimes that's because the how are you is just isn't genuine, but sometimes it's just because there isn't enough time or enough space, privacy or whatever to get on that deeper level. Within a community group, we get to experience real fellowship, transparency, and accountability as we grow in relationships. Within the groups, we're challenged to deepen our understanding of our, and application of our faith. 
And we have the opportunity to minister to each other and to minister to our community as we stand alongside each other. As it says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so we're created for community. We function best in community. And our community glorifies God. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Theologian Francis Schaeffer put it this way, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Apologetic is just a word that means the argument for the faith or the proof for the faith. And so he says that our Christian community is our final proof of the faith. It is through our Christian community that people will see whether or not our message is truthful. Think about that New Testament church in Acts. They met together on a regular basis. They worshiped God together. They shared their belongings with each other. They evangelized and included others in their fellowship. They were loving and selfless. God still calls us to live out these types of relationships. He wants the church to reflect this type of love. Now, I'm not saying that non-Christians aren't kind and compassionate. Of course they are. And I'm not saying they don't genuinely care about others. We can probably all cite examples of people that we know who are not Christians, who give generously to charities, who help their neighbors, who care about the downtrodden. What separates the love that Jesus is talking, in chap- talking about in John chapter 13 from the love that we see in the world is the source of that love and the intentionality behind it. The love that we are to show is the love that comes only from God through his Holy Spirit. And it is intended solely to bring glory to God. It is a redemptive love that meets people where they are but points them to Jesus. It is a sacrificial love that puts the self aside for the sake of the other, but for the glory of God. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here Jesus is acknowledging that people are able to show love to each other. But then he talks about a greater, a deeper love, God's love. And it is this love that is referred to in 1 John chapter 4 where it says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It is God's love through his Holy Spirit that is what should be displayed in every believer's life and is the basis for Christian fellowship. It is the love that will point people towards Jesus and is the love that brings glory to him. You think about the Olympics. Most of us probably watch some of the Olympics, and you think about those Olympic athletes who won medals, and when they were interviewed, you know, usually the interviewer tried to point, you know, keep the focus on the athlete and all their accomplishments, 
But more often than not, the athlete would point to their team or to their country and, and deflect off themselves. In other words, they were giving glory, giving praise, giving honor to something that was bigger than themselves. And in a similar way, how we live our lives, including being part of a community of love, is about bringing honor to God. And that's really what it's all about. Everything is about bringing glory to Jesus. Our lives should be big, huge neon signs pointing to him. Speaking about his crucifixion in John chapter 12, Jesus calls it the hour for him to be glorified. And he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And we often think of the work that Jesus did on the cross in very selfish terms. You know, it's about our salvation, it's about my salvation, it's about Jesus saved me, and it's about me being able to have eternal life and peace. And yes, that is true, absolutely. But that's not the end purpose of Jesus' work of salvation. Ultimately, it's for his glory. Let's read the prayer that Jesus prayed prior to his arrest. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, on the surface, that can sound kind of selfish on God's part, you know, that everything is for his glory. But when we consider who he really is, that everything that is owes its existence to him, and that he does it all out of genuine love, we realize that glorifying God is not like pumping up the ego of some selfish ruler. No, it's giving God his due. It's giving him the honor that he deserves because he deserves it. And we are saved so that we can enjoy a right relationship with God, so that we can enjoy his glory the way we were meant to. And not just when we get to heaven, but in the fellowship of God's people through the Holy Spirit here on earth too. Jesus, in that same prayer, continues in verse 21 by saying that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We need to be in community. That's why we really want to see everyone at SVC be a part of a community group. It's not just another activity of the church. It's not just another thing to do. It is the church. And it's so important to us that we've included it in our values. You've heard us um, over the years repeating these values that we have as a church, such as uh, we expect God to do great things because he always has. And we say often, you know, we have a passion and obligation for the next generation. And we say that, you know, we want to be a source of grace, not drama. And we have many other values that we repeat a lot. We're adding one more. Church happens in community. Church happens in community. It's so important that you're going to hear us say that over and over again. If you've been attending SVC for a while, but you're not part of a community group, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, why not? Why not? 
you know, maybe you never thought of it as important. Or, or maybe you just didn't feel like you had the time to devote to it. Or, or maybe you just didn't want to get that vulnerable with people. Whatever the reason, what is it that God really wants for you? We were created for community. We're at our best when we function in community. And ultimately, it brings Jesus glory, which is what this Christian life is really all about. Our community groups are about people growing closer to God and to each other as they live life together and share their stories. Groups often meet either weekly or bi-weekly. Sometimes they meet in people's homes. Sometimes they meet here at the church. Sometimes they share meals, but always they share prayer and discussion that is designed to help each member grow in their relationships with God and with each other. Getting involved is very easy. Talk to me. I would be glad to get you connected to a community group. Or you can email us here at the church, or you can go on to the church website. We have our groups on there or the church center app. Whatever way you go about it, we would love to see Everybody at SVC be a part of a community group. Community is important to God. It's so important to him that he has instilled it into who we are. I encourage you to think about and, and pray about what that means for you in your own walk with Christ. What does community look like for you? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the ways that you've made us, that you have seen it so important to create community, that you have filled your people with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit unites us and binds us. And Lord, I, it is so horrible to be separated from community, to be alone and isolated. And I pray that if there's anyone here that is very intimate with that feeling of isolation and loneliness. That they would know that there is community available. And that those communities would be welcoming and inviting. I pray that we would honor you. That we would glorify you in our community. In your name, amen. Amen.